Coming up on Locked on Rams, something I have never seen in an NFL football game in my entire life. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day. Of course, you can find us everywhere you listen to your podcast. We are always free and available on all platforms. All right, let me tell you a little bit about myself before we get started. I heard a term on Locked on Bucks that I liked a lot. I am the godfather of the Locked on Rams uh, podcast here on the Locked on Network. I did it way back when the LA Rams first came back to Los Angeles, and then it's changed hand a couple of times. I want to say thanks to Sosa for handling it last. Um, I have covered the Rams for ESPN Los Angeles here in town in L.A. since they've come back from St. Louis, uh, that they were there for a while. I've done every pregame show, every halftime show, every postgame show for the Rams for the last couple of seasons. I host the daily radio show here in Los Angeles, uh, Travis and Sliwa on 710 AM. So you can check that out if you want as well. But I have been in and around the Rams for the entire time they've been back here in Los Angeles. So Hopefully you can uh, make sure that you check out the channel as often as you can. Okay, so let me tell you exactly what it is that I saw on Monday Night Football, which, by the way, awesome Monday Night Football, playoff football. Let's do that more often. Let's make that a regular part of what we do. But I've never seen this before. Everything worked, right? The NFL is hard. The NFL is one of these leagues that if more things go right than go wrong, you're in a pretty good place. Almost never does everything work. And that's what happened with the Rams on Monday Night Football. Everything that they gave into this game thinking might work did, right? The offense was fantastic. The defense was even better than fantastic, whatever word that is. The special teams had what I thought was their best game of the entire season, Johnny Hecker in particular, which we'll talk about. And I'm even going to throw in a fourth element as well, which is the Rams fans represented incredibly well on the heels of what was arguably the worst Ram fan performance since we've had fans back in SoFi during the season. That, of course, was against the San Francisco 49ers uh, last week, week 18 of the NFL season, where the Rams let that game get away from them at the end, in large part, I believe, really, because there were so many San Francisco fans inside SoFi Stadium. So let's start with number one, the offense, right? You got to score some points to make sure that this thing goes your way. And really, other than the opening drive, everything went the Rams way. Matthew Stafford was good, not great. And that's fine. That's exactly what you're looking for with Matthew Stafford, especially to get that never won a playoff game thing off of his back, right? That he's never won a playoff game. Well, we're done with that. We don't have to worry about that anymore because now he has won a playoff game. And he did it without having to do what he was always asked to do in Detroit, without without having to do what I think a lot of Rams fans thought he was going to have to do when he came into this, which is throw for a million yards a game. That's not what happened at all. He didn't even put the ball in the air 20 times. It was the lowest amount of passing attempts he's had at any regular season game, at any playoff game, and the Rams won the game comfortably. Not because he threw a couple of touchdown passes, which was nice. Not because he only had a handful of incompletions, most of which were drops by his Rams wide receivers as opposed to bad throws by Matthew Stafford himself, but because of the zero. 
right? The zero, the zero interceptions, the zero turnovers. That was the part of the game that coming into it was most important. And then coming out of it felt like it was the most important as well. They didn't give Arizona any additional chances. They didn't give them any life. There was never any time where it felt like they got something for free. And that in large part is because Matthew Stafford was great. Odell Beckham was great. Cooper Cup was great. Tyler Higby was great. You had the two-headed running backs with Sony Michelle and Cam Akers. We'll talk about Cam Akers coming up in a little bit. He was amazing. Five and a half months after an injury that keep, typically keeps you out for about a year or so, he was back and not just in the game, not just surviving, but playing incredibly well along the way. So that's the offensive side of this. The defensive side, you give up 11 points in a playoff game, you're going to win. Quite frankly, they barely deserve the 11 points they got. They were kind of garbage time points for the most part. Aaron Donald was everywhere. Vaughn Miller really feels like he started to settle into this Rams defense and become a part of what we hoped he would be when they made that deal with Denver in the first place. You know, he comes over kind of quiet, not a lot of impact. The next thing you know, you turn around, you look up, and he's had sacks in a handful of games in a row. It has been incredibly impressive. We saw him get that sack early in the game. Places rocking, places going crazy. Vaughn Miller in large part of that. Jalen Ramsey always does what Jalen Ramsey does. He makes sure that the number one weapon on the other team has a quiet night. That's exactly what he did again. I expect him to do it again in Tampa coming up. That's something we'll get to in a little bit as well. And now, of course, you've got Aaron Donald, who going into Tampa has had some success against Tom Brady in the past. He absolutely terrorized Kyler Murray. Obviously, different sorts of quarterbacks. What you're doing with Kyler Murray is going to be a little bit different than what you're doing with Tom Brady, but still an amazing performance from them. All of the Ram defenders did an incredible job. It felt like they had them pinned deep in their own end, the shadow of the goalpost, all of that stuff that you hear over and over again. It happened all night long, which brings us to the third part of this, which is, of course, the special teams. Look, Matt Gay's been great all season long, and he did a good job. Brandon Powell has been a really nice addition to the special teams unit. We saw him return uh, a ball for a touchdown early in the season. He had a couple of nice returns in this one as well. But in particular, on the wildcard weekend game, it was Johnny Hecker. Look, Johnny Hecker for a long time has been the best punter in the NFL. And if he wasn't the best, he was very, very close to being the best. Quite frankly, he wasn't this year. The vast majority of this season, Johnny Hecker is somewhere between average and less than that. And certainly nowhere near the Johnny Hecker that was such an important part of what the Rams have done for the last couple of seasons. Well, you get to what happened on Monday night at SoFi Stadium, and he was terrific. Just absolutely fantastic. It seemed like every time Arizona had the ball, they were on their own five-yard line, their own 10-yard line. Certainly never had any field position to speak of, and we know what happens after that, right? Kyler Murray in the end zone, he throws up that jump ball. David Long Jr. steps in front of it. That's because it was a short field. That's because they're deep in their own end. That's what Johnny Hecker was able to do. And lastly, the fourth phase, right? We know offense, we know defense, we know special teams but there was a fourth phase in that one as well which was the fans look i've been very lucky being in sofi for every game this season and without one exception it has been amazing the fans have turned out and been not only in huge numbers but in incredible enthusiasm it's loud even a game against a team that you would expect maybe is going to have a little bit of a different vibe a game like jacksonville right jacksonville doesn't have a ton of road fans they're not going to be coming in there's not a ton of jacksonville transplants in los angeles all of those things right place is rocking it's a good vibe it's a full house all of those things the worst moment in sofi so far was two sundays ago against the rams we can debate the numbers right maybe it was 50 50 
probably wasn't. Maybe it was a little more San Francisco than in L.A. It definitely was. 60-40, whatever, however you want to slice it. The fact of the matter is, there was nothing but Niner fans in that place. And that's certainly what it felt like when you were in there. And it mattered. It made a big difference. And it was one of the classic L.A. thing, right? Oh, they don't show up. They sell their tickets. This, that, and that. Okay, 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 whatever. Playoff time comes around. All Rams fans. The atmosphere in that place, absolutely electric from the beginning, from the opening kickoff until the very end. The place was rocking. The Rams fans represented huge. And it was an unbelievable performance on their part. All right, coming up next, I want to talk about what has to go right in Tampa. We saw what went right in Arizona. What are the three things that need to work in Tampa for them to advance to the NFC Championship game? But first, let's talk a little bit about OnlineGambling.com, right? OnlineGambling.com, they give me the challenge of picking that divisional round upset, an underdog that I think could pull off that huge victory. Well, I'm not going to go anywhere other than to the Rams, right? The Rams are underdogs on the road in Tampa Bay, what's a better win than that? Your team going on the road to do it right there. So if you are thinking about backing an underdog in the division around, make sure that you head to OnlineGambling.com before you do that. OnlineGambling.com gives betters the edge by providing the best and most trusted information to help you make the best decision possible before placing a bet. That includes their OG tips section where we get to see their own underdog picks as well as the inside track on how to beat the odds throughout the NFL playoffs. Make sure you visit onlinegambling.com NFL for all the latest gambling news, tips, and info to beat the odds and give you the edge throughout the playoffs. Remember, onlinegambling.com NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. Okay, thanks for making Locked on Rams your first listen every day. And a big announcement, the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show podcast is going on the road right here in L.A. For Super Week, follow the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show today and get the most comprehensive coverage of the big game. It's free and it is available on all platforms. On all platforms. Okay, so like I said, the three things that need to happen in LA, right? That or I should say in Tampa Bay for the Rams to have success, it's not super complicated, right? Number one, they need to make sure that they deal with Vita Vea. Vita Vea is the scariest guy on that field. I know Tom Brady has a handful of champ. Actually, he's got almost two handfuls of championship rings, which is a whole other thing that we'll talk about on Lockdown Rams. We'll point all the reasons you should probably dislike Tom Brady. That's coming up uh, on another Lockdown Rams podcast. It's a long list. I'm going to need a little time to get into that. But Vita Vea is the guy that does what gives the Rams the most problems, right? You're going to have to find a way to deal with that guy. He's the guy in the middle of that defensive line. Go back to the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots a couple of years ago. What happened? John Sullivan got blown up all night long by Hogan in the middle of the field, and it was over and over and over again. And the Rams' offense does not work at its best when that pressure is coming from the middle of the field. That's what Vita Vea did. Now, they did a pretty good job on him early in the season. We've seen them be able to handle it on occasion, but when the Rams struggle, who's it against? San Francisco, what do they do? They get pressure up the middle. Who did they struggle against this season? Tennessee, what did Tennessee do? They get pressure up the middle. That seems to be a little bit of the Achilles heel 
with what the Rams have struggled with. And Vita Vea is one of the best in the business. So they're going to have to find a way to get Brian Allen to maybe not win that matchup over and over and over again, but at least win as often as he gets beat in that thing. Maybe give him some help. Maybe find some ways to get Matthew Stafford on a boot, on a roll, on whatever it is by design, as opposed to by necessity where he's got to move because it's coming right at his face. We've seen them have some great deal of success when they roll Matthew Stafford out, buys him a little bit more time. And a lot of times when they'll roll him out, they'll hit that ball down the field. But if they're not having some sort of success against Vita Vea there at the very beginning, we know what that goes. We know how that plays out. And that seems to be the one thing that when that starts to go, the Rams have a very hard time of throwing a counterpunch right there. So keep your eye on the middle of that defensive line with Vita Vea and Tampa Bay. If they can do that, they're in a pretty good spot. Okay, so number two, bad Matthew Stafford. Bad Matthew Stafford took a night off against the Arizona Cardinals, and thank goodness he did because what we did see was fantastic, right? He was a guy that was incredibly efficient. Let's go back to this. When he came in, when Jared, let's go back even further. When Jared Goff left, there was this sense where that Jared Goff was killing you because he turned the ball over too often, that Jared Goff was killing you because on the rare occasions where the Rams were behind, he couldn't make something happen. They weren't a good team from coming from behind. And what he was perhaps worst at was he doesn't make things happen off schedule, right? That if the play, if the first read wasn't there, if what you are hoping for first is unavailable, now what? He struggled with it. He did. And, and it became very obvious that they were capped out. That, that the ceiling on where they were going to go with that sort of quarterback play was what it was. Last year, you get to the divisional round. Actually, it was okay. But that was kind of the end of the line. It felt like maybe that was as, as far as you were going to go. They make the deal for Matthew Stafford. I think when they did that, it was kind of this idea of, oh, he's going to throw for 300 yards a game. He's going to throw for three touchdowns a game. He might have an interception here or there, but he's going to make stuff happen if the line breaks down a little bit or all of a sudden you're behind in the fourth quarter and you got to go down the field. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected, all of this stuff. Okay, that, that's cool. That's nice if you're able to do those sorts of things. But the fact of the matter is that's not really what they need him to do. He can. And, and, you know, we saw it against Baltimore where he was able to drive down the field towards the end and give them that touchdown and win that game. That throw to Odell Beckham was a, a 10 out of 10 to get that first down on fourth and five. The throw to Odell Beckham to score the go-ahead touchdown was a 10 on 10. It ended up winning the game. But ask yourself this. Why were they in that position in the first place? Why were they behind a Baltimore Ravens team late in the fourth quarter that was playing a quarterback not named Lamar Jackson? Why were they there? It's pretty obvious, right? Matthew Stafford threw a couple of interceptions, and Matthew Stafford fumbled once. Why did they struggle with a team like the Minnesota Vikings the week before that, despite the fact that Minnesota is already kind of out of the playoff picture, that Minnesota really is not a terribly dangerous team? I know it's loud, and the fans, and the skull, and all, and great. But why were they in trouble in that one? Because Matthew Stafford turned it over three times in that game. Why did we talk about another San Francisco loss the way that we did, at least in part, and why did the game end the way it did Matthew Stafford turned the ball over. This is the this is what you have with him. It's not totally different than Jared Goff. Now, he's a very different quarterback than Jared Goff. I think that if you lined up 32 NFL general managers and said, hey, Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford, 32 guys are going to pick Matthew Stafford. I don't think that there's a, a ton of question about that. But the same problems were there. The Rams were in, in position to lose games when he turns it over. They lost five games this year. Four of them you can directly attribute to him turning the ball over too many times, right? We saw it against Arizona. No turnovers, only one sack, not a lot of tough decisions to make. And when they were, he made the right ones. 
That's the good Matt Stafford, and that's what you need to see again coming up in Tampa because if you turn the ball over to Tom Brady more than once, that's it. Enjoy your offseason. Get ready for the draft. Get ready for the combine. Get ready for whatever is coming next in your life. Go Dodgers, go Lakers, or whatever it is you root for because Tom Brady's not going to let you turn it over three times. Kirk Cousins might. you know, uh, uh, Huntley might. But Tom Brady, not a chance. So good Matt Stafford has to show up in that game. That is the number one most important part behind Vita Vea. And then lastly, you got to move Tom Brady, right? When Tom, there, There's not a lot of good ways to go in and beat Tom Brady. The one thing, this goes back to when the Giants did it the first time, when they were trying to close the perfect season. It goes back to when the Giants did it again. And we've seen him lose a handful of games. It's something that New Orleans does really well. It's kind of like that's been the kryptonite since he got to – to Tampa. It's something that the Rams did last season in Tampa. It's something that the Rams did earlier this season at SoFi Stadium. Move Tom Brady. Make him move his feet. Make him be uncomfortable. Does he turn into a bum? No. Is he still really dangerous and scary? Absolutely. It's Tom Brady, right? What is seven championship rings and counting at this point. But what he struggles with is the same thing that every other quarterback in the human in the history of NFL flag football, backyard, high school, JV, take your pick. Any of those football, make him move. Make him uncomfortable. Make his the you know the, the the pocket dirty, like they say. Have people around his feet. You tell me if you know somebody better at that than Aaron Donald. You tell me if you have somebody better than Aaron Donald at doing exactly what I just described. And oh yeah, by the way, throw in Von Miller, throw in Leonard Floyd, who sacked him the first time they meet. They sacked him three times. Miller got one, or excuse me, Floyd got one, uh, Aaron Donald got one, and Kenny Young, who obviously no longer with the team, he had the third one. But they were able to get him. They were able to put pressure on him. And while he racked up a bunch of yards, he only had one touchdown in that first game. Now, Tom Brady in January, very different than Tom Brady in September. There's no question about that. But the truth is the truth is the truth, right? If you can move him you're in a pretty good spot. So that's the third thing that I think that they need to get done to make sure that you're moving Tom Brady off that spot. You do those three things. You make sure that Vita Vea isn't blowing up what you do on offense. You make sure that Matthew Stafford doesn't give the ball to the other team, and you just make sure that Tom Brady's a little uncomfortable a handful of times a game. You got a pretty good shot. Okay, coming up next, I want to talk about the three most important players going into Sunday in Tampa that are not quarterbacks. But first, let's talk a little bit about TurboTax. People think that uh, unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for the folks at TurboTax Live and their experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited uh, a condo, right? Maybe you're renting it out. Maybe you're getting paid in some non-traditional funds. Maybe it's crypto and you're not quite sure how it's taxed. People are doing that now, right? So for TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Luckily, TurboTax can match you with the right expert who has the experience in your unique situation that can answer all of your tax questions right from your phone or your computer. You don't have to go anywhere. You can sit right there on your couch in your PJ pants and knock it out. They can take care of the entire filing process for you as well. So whether you launch your own startup, you're working multiple jobs, who isn't, right? You're juggling multiple incomes. An experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you during the entire filing process and do your taxes for you start to finish and you get the tax deductions you deserve. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing, they've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live.
Thanks again for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day. You can find Locked on Rams wherever you get your podcast. We are always free and available on all platforms. Okay, so the three people that are not quarterbacks that are most important going in to the next game in Tampa, right? Sean McVay, number one. Sean McVay has, shall we say, some tendencies. Shall we say that Sean McVay has some ideas? I think what makes Sean McVay such a good coach is his entire full belief in that his type of football, his philosophies of football are going to be effective. And, and guess what? So far, so good. You know, and for, for those of us that got to experience the beginning of the Jeff Fisher era, there, there, there is the idea, well, no, this is how we do it. Yeah, well, you shouldn't because you keep losing game after game after game. We still have that 7-9 and nine BS that you're talking about at best or 4-12 and 12 the first year here in L.A. So let's mix it up a little bit. Let's be a little bit more nimble in our approach. Sean McVay comes in. And his philosophies that he believes in, his approach, his tactics, his techniques, his schematics have been remarkably successful. So it's very hard to be too critical about what it is that he does. I think one of the very few things that he does tend to do at times, especially when the game kind of starts to go a certain way, right? When the game is tight, love Sean McVay. When the Rams have a lead, love Sean McVay. It's when the Rams fall a little bit behind that sometimes it seems like they push, right? They push to a point where it, they become a little bit predictable, where they become a little bit one-dimensional. I understand if you fall behind by a couple of touchdowns, you got to throw the ball. You got to try to push the ball down the field. That The clock is as much of an enemy as anything else. But I think that Sean McVay needs to be incredibly committed to making sure that they run the ball against Tampa. You want to be multiple in what it is that you do. And the Rams became far more multiple last weekend than they have been really the entire season, even before Daryl Henderson went down, right? Daryl Henderson was the starting back of the season uh, after Cam Akers went down with that Achilles injury. And he came in, and he would play a little bit, and Sonny Michelle would play a little bit. But it wasn't, okay, one guy's going to hammer you, the next guy's going to hammer you. It was a little bit, okay, this is Henderson's job, and Michelle's here because they just need somebody to kind of fill some space. Daryl Henderson goes down again. What else is new? And then Sonny Michelle comes in, and he's really good. He's really good. And then the deeper into the season you start to go, the better it is that he starts to play, right? All of a sudden, Sonny Michelle becomes a weapon. And once they started to give him the ball more and more and more, what starts to happen? Matthew Stafford starts playing better and better and better. So let's jump forward to what comes up uh, on Monday night against the Cardinals. Well, it's not just Sonny Michelle, who, by the way, was really good. It kind of got lost in the shuffle because there were so many other things going on. But now you've got Cam Akers. Go back to last year's playoffs. Go back to last year towards the end of the season. Cam Akers was the offense for the Rams. Cooper Cup, phenomenal, obviously. Robert Woods, really, really good player. I think he's an incredibly underrated player. But it was a bunch of Cam Akers over and over and over again, and it was working. They beat the Seattle Seahawks in that playoff game like that. They did a bunch of Green Bay. Thought he did a really good job. He's hurt. Well, now he's back. Five and a half months after an Achilles. I don't know how he did it, but he's back. And it wasn't just that he was out on the field. He was smashing guys. He was absolutely smashing guys. I mean, I, I'm thankfully Buda Baker's okay, but you saw him run over, and he was so hyped. I don't think he was talking junk to him at all. I think he was just hyped that he had a moment. But you could tell this is a guy not looking to stay healthy and avoid contact. He's looking to run people over, and he did. So now you've got Sony Michelle, who's very comfortable. You got Cam Akers, who's very comfortable. 
let's use those guys. Let's make sure that Sean McVay doesn't get caught in that. I'm a passing guy. Cooper Cup's an MVP candidate. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the biggest stars in the league. Let's chuck it around a bunch. Tyler, okay, cool. Like it a lot, but let's make sure that we keep running that game. I think that's why Sean McVay is one of the most important guys going into the game this weekend. Number two, just said his name, Odell Beckham Jr. Hand in the air, right? Confession time. I did not think this was going to happen. When they acquired him, keep in mind Robert Woods was still uh, on, uh, had not gotten hurt yet, so he was still the number two wide receiver on the team. I thought it was more of a luxury item. If it works, great. If it doesn't, okay, whatever. I, I don't know how much football Robert, or I should say Odell Beckham Jr. has left. He hasn't played well in two years. They haven't been able to use him. You tell me that no one could figure out how to, that no one knows how to use him, and he's still really good, but they're using him wrong? Eh. Well, that's exactly what happened, right? Turns out nobody knew how to use him. Sean McVay knows how to use him. We saw him throw that pass. We've seen him make tough catches. He's an incredibly smart football player. The touchdown pass he had, the first one against Arizona, that was a great catch after a great throw. And, of course, you can, if you want to double Cooper Cup, be my guest. That leaves Odell Beckham with one guy covering him, and he's going to eat that guy alive. Matthew Stafford knows how to find him. So I absolutely think if you can use Odell the way that you used him against Arizona, and, again, it wasn't a 10-catch day. It wasn't a 12-catch day. It was a relatively modest handful of catches, but they were big catches and it keeps everyone else honest he obviously understands the offense really well at this point having been here for a couple of months now all the credit in the world to Odo Beckham Jr. for being able to do what he's done uh, since coming over another good day from him means very very good things for the Rams and then lastly Eric Weddle okay I don't I don't I don't I don't know about you I don't know how you feel after you have stopped going to the gym for a week or two, right? Maybe, maybe you're a runner. Maybe you, you know, you you get you get you got a cold, and so you take a couple of days off. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's a bad cold. You don't run for a week. Then you take that first run. Uh, how do your legs feel the next day? Okay, that's a run around the park. That's a run through the neighborhood. Eric Weddle didn't play NFL football for two years and then went out and played in an NFL playoff game and held his own, okay? It was incredible. And it, we, look, you look at the stat sheet, he's not even going to show up, right? But he was out there, and what he allows Jalen Ramsey to do, you can't say enough. Because Jalen Ramsey knows Eric Weddle is going to be in the right spot. Eric Weddle is going to do what Eric, what, what Jalen Ramsey is kind of hinting towards doing, right? If Jalen decides to take a shot, Weddle knows which part to cover, which part to pick up, which part to make sure that they're not exposed. Some of the other guys, and no rap on, on Taylor Rapp, no, no knock on a guy like Jordan Fuller who's out now, but those guys are going to kind of play it straight up. Weddle knows the ins and outs of this game. He's been around for a million years. It kind of frees Jalen Ramsey up to do some of the things that he needed to do so that he was able to be out there at all remarkable, that he played the way that he did more remarkable. Here's a giant butt. The but being Tom Brady's going to know how to take advantage of a guy that hasn't played in two years where Kyler Murray probably did not. Jalen Ramsey is great, but he can only cover one guy at a time. Darius Williams has had a nice season again. He can only cover one guy at a time, which means Tom Brady's going to have somebody on Eric Weddle at different points in this game. He's going to know how to take advantage of that. If Tom Brady, what Bruce Arians said the other day, once he figures you're out, you're in trouble. Well, we're about to find out because I would think that if you're Tom Brady and you're breaking the huddle, I'm looking for the guy that hasn't been on a football field in two years. So if he can stand up and hold his own, I think the Rams are in really, really good shape. Those are the three things that I think need to happen that aren't quarterback related going into this game.
Okay, so let me tell you again, my name is Travis Rogers. I am your new host of Locked on Rams. It is a pleasure to be here. Make sure that you rate and subscribe and do all of that awesome stuff along the way. Make sure that you make us your first listen every single day here on Locked on Rams. And coming up on Thursday, it is a crossover edition of Locked On. I'm going to go on with David Harrison, Locked On Bucks. We're going to talk about all things Tampa, all things L.A. Rams. We got you covered. That is coming up tomorrow. And one last time, thanks for making Locked On Rams your first listen every day. Now make sure that your second listen is Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with X with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free, and it, too, is available on all platforms. Till next time, whose house? It's Locked on Rams' house.